0: Hello and welcome to Socialism, the weekly Marxist podcast from the Socialist Party of England and Wales. Major strikes in the civil service and national health service have shaken the capitalist establishment in Northern Ireland. These enormous workers' actions followed watershed struggles in the private sector at the Harland and Wolff shipyard and Wrightbus factory. The rival sectarian parties in Northern Ireland are required by the Good Friday Agreement to agree to govern together. They had refused to reach such an agreement after a supposed renewable heating scheme collapsed due to incompetence and alleged corruption three years ago in 2017. The strikes forced them back into the Assembly to make concessions to the workers. But having tasted some of the power of collective working class struggle, will workers in Northern Ireland? allow a return to business as usual. More strikes seem likely, but how about a political alternative to austerity, sectarianism and capitalism? This episode of Socialism looks at Northern Ireland, the strike wave. So I'm here today with Carmel Gates, who's one of the Deputy General Secretaries of NIPSA, which is the Northern Ireland Public Service Alliance, the largest trade union in the north of Ireland, speaking to us here in a personal capacity. Hello Carmel.
1: Hello. Hi. James.
0: And we're going to be discussing worker struggle in Northern Ireland. So I suppose the first thing to acknowledge is there's been a whole number of disputes coming up quite recently. There's been, for example, the dispute at Wright Bus, at Allied Bakeries, very high profile occupation at the Harland and Wolfe shipyard. Would you like to say something on some of those?
1: Yes, I mean obviously there's been a significant change in Northern Ireland. We've gone from having a period of the least number of days lost in strikes to potentially now moving into a peak that we Mm -hmm. haven't seen for decades. So I'm very happy to be part of that, having gone through years of no activity within the trade union movement and no confidence amongst trade unionists other than For example, the one-day strike over pensions. That was in
0: 2011.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we've had a few blips of action. It's not to say that there's been nothing, Mm. but nothing like the period that we've now entered into. And I think it was the shipyard and the action by those workers kind of kick-started what has now become kind of a very different feel and a very different period for workers. The shipyard, which, as you will know, was facing closure. Mm. It's an historic landmark, not just on the landscape with the two very prominent Crayons, Samson and Goliath, but (laughs) it has been one of the most important employers and is, to some degree, the last bastion of what is seen as the proud industrial heritage within Belfast and within Northern Ireland, much of which is gone. And those industrial workers and that industry is largely gone. So symbolically, the action taken by shipyard workers has had an impact. It's had an impact not just in East Belfast, where it is crucial, but I think Red right across. as people saw those workers standing up and saving industry and saving something that is monumental where the titanic was built and so on and it has to some degree changed the landscape the confidence that workers now feel from the shipyard and seeing those workers visibly standing there and saying we're not moving you're not taking our factory we want the work we deserve to be here find us something to do otherwise we're not moving and it's been a long while since we've had that the last time that we had an occupation it wasn't an occupation in the very you know unique sense but the last time that happened was investing mm. where the workers there occupied the factory and said we're not moving until you give us back our pension rights and that was successful and that, was, so a plant, it, that was the car parts plant wasn't it that was the car parts plant yeah Ford car parts so again it was workers who were left with no hope and no future and they rightly took the stance we're not moving. You're not putting us out. We have been the means of production, and we own this factory. And you're not getting it till you give us our due. And they stayed there till their pension rights were won. So, as I say, that kind of that was the last time. So this is, you know, in a new phase, particularly when workers have faced decades of Tory austerity and a lack of trade union confidence and a lack of trade union fight. This was nice. This was seen as something different. As I say, quickly then after that, the Right Bus.
0: Mm-hmm. So, what is Right Bus?
1: So, Right Bus, essentially, it's a factory that makes buses. As the name Have was a jest. been Yes, <laughs> have been hugely successful. I mean, they made some of the buses for the City of London. So, okay. they're quite a significant and successful company up until now. I'll not go into all the details of what happened because it's all sorts of shenanigans, I suppose, <laughs> with the owners and so on. But it was facing closure. And again, the workers took to the outside of the factory and had their presence felt in the negotiations between the current owners. And then, you know, we want this factory sold. We don't want it sold off in parts and taken apart. We want to build buses. Mm-hmm. We're here to build buses. And we're not moving until somebody comes along and gives us the wherewithal to build buses. Now, in both of those circumstances, the issue of Mm nationalisation, the issue of should the state take over, these are going concerns, should the state intervene. And that came up as a real issue for workers saying, look, you know, why would the state not build buses? makes sense. But in the end, capitalists found a way and the factory was kept open. Not all of them kept their jobs, unfortunately, in right bus, but the factory's still there. They're still building buses, as I understand it. Again, it was seen as workers standing up and winning. So it has changed to some degree the confidence of workers and I think it was that that led us into civil service ballot and industrial action which took place over the summer.
0: So when was the civil service strike ballot? That was last summer?
1: Yes, it wasn't an ideal situation to have it over the summer period okay. but the strike ballot was in relation to our pay claim from August 18th believe it or not. Okay. So from August 18th, we'd been hanging around waiting for whether or not there was going to be a return to devolution, whether or not there was going to be an assembly, because obviously civil servants didn't have the authority to give a remit for a pay offer. So essentially what happened is that right at the very end, there was pay imposition of 1% Sorry, at the end, sorry, we got 1.25%. But so that's imposed... a real terms pay cut then? Yes. Again. So a real terms pay cut. But the imposition came as a result of the fact that we'd waited a whole year. Because um, of the
0: political crisis and there not the being a at Assembly.
1: And no minister, therefore, to give a remit. Sure. So we bargained ourselves an additional, you know, the initial offer was for 1%. We bargained ourselves an additional 0.25%. So that was imposed. We proceeded with the ballot because essentially we were saying this is about longer than just this year. Mm. Um, If we don't fight at the end of this year, because we hadn't fought the previous year for the very same reason, we would no devolution, no assembly, no ministerial remit. We'd had a 1% imposition the year before. We'd had a 1% imposition the year before that. So this was at the end of three years of, well, 10 years of below inflation pay increases but the last three where we would had imposition of a one percent so we understandably said line in the sand time mm. so this is about restoration for our pay of previous years but more to the point setting out our stall for next year mm-hmm. as in you're not doing this again and i mean there was no end in sight for the restoration of devolution at that point in time obviously since then the assembly has been restored but we said, even if we're not fighting with politicians, we have to fight with civil servants and we have to your
0: uh, civil servants. And
1: we were essentially fighting with Westminster because sure. it was Westminster who were setting the pay remit in the absence of local politicians and civil servants were taking that you know, their their pay remit from Treasury and from the Cabinet Office. So the fight was with Westminster and with the Northern Ireland civil service. So we had our ballot, not ideal, that it was over the summer. But nonetheless, we achieved an almost 70% vote for yes for strike action and an over 80% vote for action short of strike action. So we felt confident in that mandate that we could take our members out and we began our strike action again, not ideally, but because of legislation that forces us to take the action within a month of our ballot, we had our first strike day in July. Okay. And if you know about Northern Ireland, you know that that's the worst possible month to consider doing anything. <laughs> Why um, is that? Well, because it's traditionally the marching season and traditionally right. the time when people are on holidays and, okay. and all of that. So, But nonetheless, we had a very, very successful strike day in July. And since then, we have taken a number of strike days and also some very successful selective strike action. We've also, believe it or not, I mean, because of the reduction in numbers of the civil service and the fact that it's been a moratorium on recruitment for a while. There's a high number of agency workers within the NICS and normally you worry that agency workers can be used to undermine a dispute. We found that agency workers, who are mainly young workers, all obviously desperate for a job and feeling exploited themselves, they joined us in the strike, even though we didn't ballot them, obviously, because they are not employed in the NICS. But they walked out en masse in support of us in the dispute, which was excellent to see. And as I say, we feel that was part of a newfound confidence. Workers can fight and we can struggle and so on. And from then, obviously, we've had some very successful action. Again, we were at that stage still, you know, arguing with civil servants because there was still no politicians in place. Mm. And obviously, when it came to December and we had the election and the hope for a Corbyn government Mm. and... Obviously, our hopes in that were dashed. Nonetheless, people have said, no, we're still up for the fight. So that took us into December and the health service dispute.
0: Yeah, so this is what came next. So just to track the timeline here a little yep. bit, you had these disputes in the private sector of yes. smaller numbers of yes. workers, but mm-hmm. extremely important. Yep. So Harland and Wolf the shipyard, right bus the bus factory. Yep. I expect both of those were organised by Unite, were they? They were. Well, and Unite and GMB. Unite and GMB, the main I mean, private sector yeah. unions. and. This was part of the context leading to the civil service and NIPSA organising a strike there. Although, of course, there was enormous accumulated anger from this decade of wage restraint, which has been suffered all across Britain as well as Northern Ireland. And following on from this, you've had this abject crisis in the NHS in Northern Ireland, haven't you? It's some of the worst NHS crisis in the entirety of the United Kingdom and there's been strike action there as well.
1: That's right. I mean, it is right. The waiting lists in Northern Ireland are now the longest anywhere. There's a real staffing crisis, again, because Stormont, the Assembly, when it was in power, broke the link of parity of health service pay.
0: So that's parity with Britain. Parity
1: with Britain. So under agenda for change, there is supposed to be national pay bargain throughout the health service. But unfortunately, the Assembly, at a point in time, took a decision that Northern Ireland, because of pay restraint and public sector pay and what's happening with civil servants and with teachers and the pay restraint that they were imposing, they also held back health service pay, which means now there's a significant gap between the pay of nurses and other health professionals and health workers in Northern Ireland than there is in England and Wales mm. and in Scotland. As you know, in Scotland, because of the fights that the workers have put up there, they've actually even got pay leads over their colleagues in England and Wales. Mm. So, I mean, the difference between pay in Northern Ireland and Scotland is now thousands of pounds. The difference between pay in Northern Ireland and England and Wales is thousands of pounds. So a lot of nurses and others were saying, why would I work here in Northern Ireland when I can get 4,000 more if I go to Scotland? Sure. So a lot of workers are either leaving, which means there's now an actual crisis in terms of numbers. Mm -hmm. So there's significant shortfall in nursing staff and other right across the health service. There's been a lack of workforce planning, you know, understaffing for years. And that pressure of understaffing coupled with significantly less in wages has just created the worst possible storm.
0: And this is in a situation where the NHS, even in England and Wales and Scotland, has thousands of unfilled vacancies, hundreds of thousands, That's I right. think, in England and Wales, yeah. as well as this decade of pay restraint also applies exactly. there, exactly. notwithstanding the important gains won in Scotland and so on. So it's even worse It's even Ireland. worse,
1: exactly. So all of the pressures that workers in the health service, and there's been huge, you know, obviously health campaigns together and other significant events that take place, and we've actually been joining in with that. Not to the same degree, I have to say, and it's difficult, it's been more difficult I suppose to coordinate with the unions in the health services in Northern Ireland but as I say workers here have suffered even more so that created the perfect storm and what is historic is that for the first time in the history of the RCN the Royal College of Nursing which is not affiliated to the Irish Congress of Trade Unions or to the
0: TUC in Britain I think or
1: to the TUC and have never in their history, their 103 year history they have never taken strike action. (laughs) On a couple of occasions in Northern Ireland in the past, they've talked about it, but it has never happened. And yet, as a result of the situation we're now in, and left with no choice, the RCN balloted for action and got a huge return in favour of strike action. And for the first time in their history, on December the 18th, they, along with Unison, Nipsa. Unite, at that stage, just those other three unions took strike action on May, on December the 18th. So that was the start of the action. And since then, there's been different action. The nurses have been on strike on you know more than one day. Unison and other unions have joined in. So there's now been the most significant strike action we've seen in the health service since probably 1982. When there was the pay dispute, so that is huge, and the anger on the picket lines. Picket lines have been huge. They've been noisy, and they've been overwhelmingly supported. In fact, the impact that that action has had has changed the dynamics of politics in Northern Ireland. Really, that action by health service workers, common as it did, and a list of other actions where workers have gained confidence, has actually led to a forcing of the parties back into power in Northern Ireland and has been one of the dominant issues on the agenda in the run-up to the restoration of devolved government and since then. Now, obviously, there was other issues at play in terms of a restoration of devolution because they were running close to a point where there may have had to be another election, you Mm. know, if the Assembly hadn't been restored at that point. But probably... The health service and the strike action and the call for political action to be taken to deal with the shortfall in staffing and to deal with the pay issue was the most significant impact on the political parties who realised their position would be untenable if they didn't step in to save the health service and to take action for workers. As a result then, devolution has been restored and the agreement, the new deal, new approach that was cobbled together by the parties Mm. a significant element up front in that was the settling of the issues within the health service the pay issue and the staffing issue and also up front is the issue of settling teachers pay because teachers in northern ireland have been in a three-year dispute low level but significant not strike action but action short of strike action, which means that they don't do duties after school and so on, which has a significant impact on the workings within education. So it's been rumbling on for the same reasons as civil servants are on strike and health service workers are on strike. We've had year on year of below inflation pay increases, so essentially pay cuts. So practically all of the public sector, as well as the private sector in Northern Ireland, there is just a mood amongst workers now that enough is enough, Mm. and they want to fight back. And there's had to be an acknowledgement of that within the political arena and in the Assembly.
0: So it's actually forced the sectarian parties, which dominate the Assembly, which fundamentally defend the capitalist system in Northern Ireland. They had been out of power... Following the RHI, the Cash for Ash scandal a few years ago, they've been forced back into power by what is in reality a kind of strike wave yep. in Northern Ireland. Mm-hmm. So that's extremely impressive that it's been able to force concessions from these sectarian parties and force them to leave aside their sectarian manoeuvrings in order to address some of these problems. But of course, This isn't resolving the fundamental situation as welcome as these concessions are. So what do you think would be the next steps for the disputes, particularly in the health service and the civil service? Mm -hmm. But perhaps you could go on a little bit more to the next steps for the trade unions in Northern Ireland more broadly.
1: Yeah. It remains to be seen how the political parties are going to address the disputes because They do have that old excuse they always use, which is that Westminster don't give us, we don't have enough money within the budget to deal with all the issues that we need to deal with. There is
0: some truth in that, isn't there?
1: There is absolutely some truth. And in fact, the fact that they've been out of power for so long means that there's been years of neglect on a whole load of issues. It is a fact, yes, that there isn't sufficient money. But in the past, they've sometimes chosen to do things like consider reduction of corporation tax, which in our view is is given is doing the exact wrong thing with the money that is available. So why give big business a boost when you're keeping workers impoverished? Because what we've said to all of them, and we have got that echo, is if you give workers money, they'll spend it. They'll spend it in the local economy. So why give a profit lump to big business instead of giving workers spending power? And the politicians, you know, some of them can't square that circle because they don't want necessarily, you know, they're not in favour of giving workers additional money and additional rights and they would rather give it to farmers and big business because that is obviously what they politically want to do with it. So there is a big task now in front of the unions.
0: I suppose we should also say that they're not willing to campaign against Westminster to try and extract more funding for Northern Ireland. Because that would involve them aligning themselves with the trade unions.
1: Yes, that's right. To some degree, they go to Westminster, we believe with kind of a begging bowl instead of working with the trade union movement to let's go and bargain let's not go and beg for more money Mm. let's bargain let's say this is what we're doing putting it up to Westminster to say we stand four square behind the workers and we're not backing down until you give us what we need so there is a big task now in front of the trade union movement as to what we do because I think for the first time in a very long time and I'm not suggesting for one second that the sectarian issues have gone because Mm. they haven't But as historically in Northern Ireland, if the workers' movement is at the fore, then sectarianism can be pushed back because we're not separated in the workplace. Catholics and Protestants work together. We're struggling together. We're fighting for decent wages and a decent health service together. And those issues at the moment are the prevalent issues which has forced the politicians who live by the division, it's forced them to set aside just for the moment, to ensure that they address these issues. But the expectation of workers has now risen. I mean, the Minister for Finance is Conor Murphy, mm-hmm. Sinn Féin Minister, who we meant to meet with, to bargain and to raise the issue of civil service pay with. And, I mean, he's saying, look, well, you know, there isn't any money. But I said to him, look, there's an expectation now. ...on you and others to deliver... ...and there is a big onus now that you need to do something. I believe the trade union movement and trade union leaders now... ...there's a big onus also on us... ...because workers have increased their expectations... ...and if politicians are not going to deliver... ...they are not going to deliver on all the issues that we want. So you have to at some point pose a question of whether or not... ...workers themselves should say... ...well okay, we will pose an alternative to you. If politicians don't deliver and we need it to be done by ministers and politicians, well then, maybe trade unions should say, OK, well, let's us pose as an alternative.
0: Stand their own candidates.
1: Yeah. So obviously there is an historic task now in front of the trade union movement because we know that politicians will not deliver. We have a vested interest in keeping workers divided. Their vote relies on the divisions that exist. So it's not a comfortable position for them to see a united working class on economic issues, on health service and all these other things. But there is now, for the trade union movement, the real task of building an alternative, Mm. giving workers a political alternative, something that sets aside sectarianism, something that allows them to see what can be achieved when workers work together that workers' unity and us struggling together can give all workers a better life. We're seeing in this a potential embryo of a party of workers. Mm. You know, not Sinn Féin, not the DUP is the only alternative for workers anymore, but a party that stands for and is built by workers, a party that will take up the issue of the challenge in the health service and be proactive and develop a health service that removes private medicine that takes out the profits out of utilities and go to a situation when we run the economy in the interest of workers and in Northern Ireland I think there's the embryo now amongst workers of we've seen a bit of a better vision so let's build on that and make it political and make it permanent.
0: Great so these strike waves have shown a new generation of workers, younger workers, what a trade union is, what it does, that it is possible to fight, it's reminded an older generation of workers that it's possible to fight and workers have tasted maybe a little bit of the potential power that they have by forcing the Stormont government back into session in order to grant these concessions so we will want to see these strikes escalated to achieve more of their demands but you're saying also there's the possibility out of this for a movement towards creating a party representing organised workers as a whole across False sectarian divisions?
1: Absolutely, because we've seen you know, workers standing together on picket lines. We've seen workers united t- together. And for young people who have not seen trade unions in action before are now saying what trade unions are for. Mm. When you see young people, and we've tried to recruit agency workers, and they say, well, what would a union do for me? Because they don't know, they haven't seen unions in action, and they don't know what trade unions are for and what they do. But when you see workers standing on picket lines, You see them outside the factory, you say, we're telling you what we want, it's us, we have the power. And for example, in the strike that took place just last weekend in Allied Bakeries, the workers took strike action for 24 hours. Mm. They stood outside the factory gate and they said, we're not leaving until we can negotiate a better pay rise. And within 12 hours, a company that said... No chance. You're not getting anything more. Is suddenly saying, "Okay, let's look at it again." <laughs> so twelve hours standing and not moving and turning lorries away, and I think young people are saying for the first time. And believe me, the media are trying their best not to show any of this, but it's getting out there. It's getting out on social media, yeah. and young people are saying, "Oh my God, the workers." have power, we didn't know, you know, I'd never seen this before, I want some of this, Mm -hmm. I want to fight back. And older workers who have lost their confidence potentially in the trade union movement are saying, that's what trade unionism is about, that's what workers' unity is about, because, I mean, in Northern Ireland it wasn't always sectarian and there was workers working together. So this is given as a flavour. Now, as we know in Northern Ireland, the smallest event can change that. Mm -hmm. At the minute, workers' issues are to the fore and sectarianism has been pushed back. Obviously, we never get complacent because that situation could change. And that's why we need to cement this. Now, we need to say workers need to pose a political alternative because when there is the slightest sectarian incident, the politicians exploit that. They exploit the division. It's in their vested interest to keep workers divided. So at this point in time, we say... Let's cement and create a situation. We don't give power back to the politicians where workers keep workers' issues to the fore. We build a party that represents workers' interests, mm-hmm. economic interests, social interests, political interests going forward, and that we cement in that workers' unity and end the sectarian division.
0: Thank you very much, Colin.
1: Okay. Thank you, James.
0: Socialism is produced by the Socialist Party The England and Wales section of the Committee for a Workers International This week we heard from Carmel Gates and I'm James Ivans. If you agree with the policies and actions the Socialist Party of England and Wales is fighting for We need you Join our campaign to build a truly effective working class fighting force In the trade union and labour movement Join the Socialist Party now Send us your details at socialistparty.org.uk forward slash join. If you live outside England and Wales and want to join the fight for socialism in your country, contact the Committee for a Workers' International by visiting socialistworld.net. Help us spread the word by giving us a five-star review and subscribing so you don't miss out. And don't forget to recommend us to your co-workers and friends. We want you to send us recordings from picket lines and campaigns and reports of your activity. And we want your questions, comments and ideas for future episodes. Email socialismpodcast at socialistparty.org.uk Socialism the podcast has no wealthy backers. We survive thanks to the financial support of ordinary working class and young people. And we're proud of the political independence that gives us. So if you like what you hear, help us take the fight to big business. You can make a regular donation or a one-off payment at socialistparty.org.uk forward slash donate. Till next time, solidarity.